October 25th, 2023. Let's continue our conversation about Harambam's Moreh Nebuchim. Let's specifically tonight focus on, for two reasons, on his treatment of the mitzvah of Milah, of Berit Milah. First and foremost, it's this week's parasha, Parashat Lech Lecha, introduces us, and Harambam will refer to Abraham and his Berit Milah. That's the end of Parashat Lech Lecha. We'll read about that, so it's appropriate to analyze and to discuss. That's not to say that we won't return to the conversation we had in the last class about creation. Of course, we will, but we'll take a brief pause. Second reason to talk about it is because we have an Aviha Ben, Elliot Chama, uh, with us tonight on the night of the Zohar, prior to the Zohar. He's together with us uh, having a conversation about uh, Harambam's Moren Vuchim. How appropriate then to discuss together with him the uh, philosophical ramifications and vision of Berit Milat should be a zechut for his son to grow to be a Baal Midot, but to initially be grown into Berit and Mitzvot, Bivriut, Amen. As says Harambam here in Chele Gimal, in Perek Memtet, at the bottom, and this is in the section where Harambam is going through Ta'ameh HaMitzvot. As a matter of fact, we've already once talked about this Chele Gimal, Perek Memtet, that's why I titled, entitled the class 349.2, because we've addressed this. Not that we haven't addressed Milah. He talks about different clusters of mitzvot, and we've addressed other ones or another one in this Perek. But here, he addresses Milah. He writes at the bottom of the page over here, two lines from the bottom, on page 645. He says, the truth is, I'm going to set forth one of the reasons for Milah. What's that? And he's going to right afterwards say his other one. Lema'et et it's to minimize mishgal, mishgal is a reference to sexual activity, and in turn to weaken the ever, the ever zakhar of, of a male. So that he'll have less relations. And he'll hold back as much as possible. I mean, that's a fascinating thing. Again, it shouldn't take us by surprise because that's even what we talked about in this context already. Harambam's vision, if you recall, that in Torah perspective, to come to a perfection of intellect means to have a proper focus. To have a proper focus means my mind, my body, my senses are not leading me astray, are not leading me in the direction of pleasure, but rather keeping me on the clear what we'll call now and always emet and sheker, the truth perspectives that can and should be achieved by us. So says Arambam, that's the purpose of Mila, that and that specifically. He continues, Yeshe Hashvui says, there are some who thought, Shemila zot there are those who wrongfully believed, and in the note it quotes from Rabbeinu Sa'ad Yagaon, that uh, Mila is because God, in some respect, Kivyachol, left creation incomplete. And in turn, we are completing it. Harambam won't accept that. First and foremost, it says it's inconceivable that the Dvarim Hativa'im, the natural creations of God, of existence, would be insufficient, would be deficient, that they need an external aid to perfect them. 
He thinks that's not congruent with what we know in the world. The natural world was, prior to human intervention, and he writes about this elsewhere, was built in a perfect state. Uh, so in turn, it's hard to believe that the human body was not as well. He goes further and he says, now let me, before I, uh, Harambam does have words elsewhere in which he envisions Sheshet Yimei Bereshit as being a time of evolving. In other words, if you're getting nervous about the fact that human beings have come a long way, and we know this naturally and historically, Harambam doesn't deny that. He may have not had the same information that we have, the same, uh, the same research, etc., but he does write that at the end of what he terms Sheshet Yimei Bereshit, we came to the end of that process. So that's what he refers to over here as well. He's not per se suggesting that in the initial quote, zap, this was how it looked and it was incomplete. But he says at the end of what we term we might alternatively, based on our knowledge of Hanambam earlier in the Moreh, say from the time of Shet and onward, well, human beings probably are coming out with that Tzelem Elohim as he described it, or the capacity for Tzelem Elohim. As he says, it's, it's, it's inconceivable. He can't accept, it's unfathomable, that human beings Beings would be created incomplete. Magam, he says, furthermore, he says, furthermore, the orla, the part that is cut off during the time of circumcision of Brit Milah, helps the ever, helps that limb. Uh, so he says, in turn, it's hard to say it was because it was incomplete. No, quite the opposite. It helps, it protects, it adds something, as he'll describe in a moment or two. So he says, he can't accept that it's a chisaron in the biria. It's not to complete a deficiency in the structure from creation. It's rather to fill a deficiency in the creations, in you and me, in human beings. What do you mean? It's the same thing. No. He says the nezek, which is caused to this ever, is the purpose. What does he mean? Lo nifkam b'milah davar min ha'maasim ha'mekayimim etaperat. He says, by having a milah, again, he hasn't yet revealed his cards, that's what he means, but he says, by having a berit milah, there's nothing changed with regards to kiyum haperat or holadat procreation. Procreation is in no way affected, aided, or hurt through, in, in the fullest sense, through a berit milah. So then, what's the purpose? How does it physically and in turn philosophically affect a person? Aval mitma'atot what does occur with the removal of the foreskin is, says Harambam, the storm of our inclination and the ta'avayetera and the extra lure and, and, and pleasure-seeking side that we have, that is diminished. Um, well, again, how did that answer, how did that, uh, co- how did that relate to what he mentioned earlier? It is, as I understand, and we'll develop this in a moment or two, he's, he's suggesting to us that human beings, by virtue of who we are 
and quote who we've become in our chase for ta'avot, in our chase for gashmi, for gufani, for the physical, material, pleasure-seeking side of existence. It's therefore a mitzvah to curb our appetite, which we wet. We brought forth that appetite. Human beings, this already will be reminiscent of Harambam at the beginning of the more. We're not created, so to speak, with an inborn gravitation to ta'avot, to pleasure, to what he'll call in the first and perik bet, and we'll quote it in a moment or two, the mefursamot, the way that we go after the conventions of humanity. That's not the way we were created. That's what we did. So to put it in a sentence then, you might already see developing, if you remember, and we'll return to in a moment or two, some sort of correlation between Avraham and Milah, the first commandment, and, so to speak, the downfall of man, or the decision of man of Adam HaRishon. The decision of Adam HaRishon, which again we'll color in a moment or two, is the time during which, in the Torah's chronology, we veered off of a perfect state of mind into a, what you and I know as normal human engagement in running after our sensory and sensual drives, and in turn, milah is to rectify for us that. There wasn't a hisaron in our initial creation. It was in the initial creation that we brought upon ourselves or in the subsequent creation. En safek shehamilah mahalisha et koach hakishui ulaitim kerovot mamiitat hana'a. He says there's no doubt that through a berit milah, and he's speaking physically, there is a diminished strength of kishui, of a person being able to be aroused, and le'itim kerovot, and oftentimes it's even mam'itat hana, the, uh, the subsequent pleasure that a male might derive, or maybe even a female, he'll suggest from the hachamim, is diminished. Oh, that's a diminishment, which is a necessary diminishment. That's, after all, much of what we're grappling with in life. We're grappling with this tug of war between our, you might call it ruhani, he might call it sikhli, our spiritual, intellectual side, and our gufani, gashmi, ta'avati, mefursami side, our, our human uh, engagement with the flesh and, uh, and excitement from pleasure side. He reiterates in another sentence that through the drawing of blood, through the removal of the orla, in a circumstance where that's done to a person, to a man, to a child, it brings forth a certain diminished strength, a certain diminished drive, a certain diminished pleasure. That's his suggestion. Now again, and I'm no scientist and I haven't thankfully done this sort of research, whether or not this is scientifically proven, and I'm, 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 I'm prone to think that there might be something to it, even if it, but whether or not he's speaking more than anything philosophically with regards, even though he's not writing it this way, with regards to the way we might designate the purpose. In other words, what I mean by that is that even if you and I were to do the research or someone, doctor, comes and tell, teaches us the research and says, this is not so, there's no diminished drive and there's no less hana'a, etc., etc., I think the point is still there. There's a sign on a male 
which is supposed to remind them in that respect of this. In other words, that I should have a diminished drive, that I shouldn't be as pursuant of these sorts of uh, Gashmita Avati lives. Because there is a higher purpose to what you're doing. Absolutely, because the objective of human beings is not to be chasing that, but rather to be refining themselves. That's the point. That may be the means by which to extend life to the next generation, to create children and be able to continue humanity, but that's the ultimate purpose, not the pleasure in the moment. Correct. And also what Sammy points out further is that it, although there is a necessary for continuity of growth of Yediyat Hashem, etc., of our spiritual, national, collective growth and continued legacy, so to speak, in terms of having children, that's the purpose. It's a very purposeful drive. Peru urvu, it's It's not about pleasure. And Harambam, in an almost ascetic drive throughout this book, Morei reminds us, and again, that in his mind, if you recall, the example we gave was that Lashon HaKodesh is because it doesn't have any words for those sorts of disgusting matters. And if you recall as well, I, remember, I think we mentioned at some point or another that for Harambam, the Arayot, we, may, we didn't read it inside for some, we did at one point, the purpose of the Arayot, that I mentioned, Parashat HaHaremot, and no, no relation, oh, for sure we read it. We did a class on it. The purpose of not uh, involving yourself with family members in terms of uh, relations, hard to understand command. You might argue today it has health uh, deficiencies. It's, it could cause deformities. Without that sort of knowledge, and at the same time, not per se that the Torah is objective, uh, has those sorts of objectives. But in, even without that, Harambam suggested that the closer you are to a person from an early age, the more prone you are to have relations with them. If it's your next, it sounds disgusting, and it is disgusting to you and me. But if your sister is next door to your room, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable having relations with her more often than with a person whom you didn't grow up with, and you're not prone to being with in all circumstances. That being the case, again, he's consistent. He's looking throughout to say to us, think about objective, think about purpose, not denying your human side, but looking to transcend, looking to see past that. He says, In the context of Dina and Shechem, the Hachamim and the Midrash have this interesting statement. A person, a woman who has relations from an Arel, from a male who didn't have a Milah, it's difficult to remove yourself from it. In other words, it's more pleasurable. It's more, it's, it's, uh, there's more strength. I, it sounds like they mean it in the physical sense. Again, I, irrespective of that, I'll read it in the physical sense. I'll tell you even further. Harambam, basing himself on a Gemara, Mishnah, Masech, and Nidarim, in Echot Nidarim, makes clear, if a person, for example, makes a Nidir, I'm not going to get any benefit from an Arel. They're mutar still to a Yisrael Arel. The designation of Arel, a person who doesn't have a circumcision, is almost abstract at a certain point. It doesn't mean, per se, the way we use that word, doesn't mean that you got a milah or you didn't get a milah. It means outside of the nation and in the nation. In other words, again, the concept, I'll go further, if a person's born with a birit milah, we still do a hatafat dam birit. You might say it's for the next reason that he's going to mention this in the next paragraph. Hard to argue that one even. It's alternatively, there's a certain designation over here. The milah represents this, even though, again, he's suggesting it on the physical end as well. This, in my mind, says Harambam, this is the most important reason for Mila. 
Who's the one who started this? He says, who more appropriate than Avraham to start this mitzvah? Avraham is the individual about whom this week's parasha, the onset of Lech Lech Avraham's career, on his way down into Egypt, he turns to his wife Sarai and says, Now I realize that you're a beautiful woman. Say the Chachamim, Gemaraim, Bava Batran, Zayin. Say the Chachamim, towards the Midrash as well, they're citing. Say the Chachamim, it's clear he didn't have regular temptation uh, um, relationship with her until then. He had a relationship which was maybe productive, maybe uh, may, maybe uh, uh, well thought with regards to objective, but it wasn't lustful. He wasn't paying attention to the beauty for the in, uh, for the inappropriate or wrongful reasons. So if that's the Avraham we're dealing with, he is the paradigm then of Berit Mila. Now Harambam does, I do want to focus most on what he just discussed with us in order to, 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 to develop that further, as I already alluded to, but Harambam, it's worth reading a little bit from the next paragraph to understand, this is not the only reason, although he calls it the Hashuv Biyoteh reason for Berit Milah. He writes in the next paragraph, Yesh Milah Lidati, Odin Yana Heders, yet another reason for Milah, Hashuv Meod, it too is important, V'ushiyel Chol Ba'ale De'azot, Ani Mitkaven, Ma'amine, Yehud Hashem, Siman Echad Gufani, Meshutaf Lahem, it's a sign of clan uh, belonging. It's a sign of we believe, we accept, we understand Yehud Hashem, the oneness of God. That is the sign for one reason or another, but it's not so hard. It might be connected to the last reason. In other words, if my mind has come or I'm striving for my mind to come to a focused point where I do accept that oneness of God, where I do see his involvement, well, it means uh, the most appropriate way to do it then is in this fashion. It means it's 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 con- connected to the earlier one. It doesn't stand in my understanding as separate from. And you can't in turn have people from the outside be able to claim without that sign that they're part of your clan, part of our uh, group of ma'aminim of Yehud Hashem. As a person might uh, try to break in and fool and delude the members of Am Yisrael for whatever terrible reason, this would be the sign that this is not a small thing. This is something that if an adult is looking to seductively find his way into Am Yisrael, he's a, he's a real, he's going to have to dedicate a lot in order to, especially before anesthesiologists, right? In other words, in order to, to bring forth a, a milat to himself. And furthermore, brings to unity amongst our people when we have a physical sign that binds us until today. There are groups that, have, that maim themselves in one way or another in order to bring forth unity. We're dedicated. Okay, that's those are the words of Harambam. So again, I'd like to, for a moment or two more, to focus on that first reason and rationale and to just uh, develop it further and give a little, you know, broader perspective to it, I'd begin with the words of Harambam in source number one in this additional sources. Source number one is Harambam in the Moren Chelek Bet and Perek Lamidvav. Now Harambam repeats this line in more than one place. He explicitly states 
I think in all the places, certainly over here, that he got this concept or this idea. He was very influenced from Aristotle. And that is, he writes, He says, the drive and the lust for animalistic matters. This is, I'm referring specifically to the pleasures uh, derived from eating and drinking and having uh, sexual relations. And specifically, he says, the sense of touch. Asher bi'er Aristo, he quotes in turn from Aristotle, Bamidot, in his book Midot, Ve'amar b'shezeh ha'hush harpa'lanu. He says, touching is the most shameful of our senses. Umatov ma'ashe'amar, says Arambam, I praise him very much. Ki be'emetu harpa'at, it's shameful, it's an abomination, this 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 animalistic side that we have to touch. He says, touch makes us most consistent and most similar to animals. He hasn't really explained it. He says, the other senses, smell and hear and sight, he says, in those senses, you'll find times in which you can have, and we can already start to appreciate this, more of a spiritual connectedness through them, as opposed to touch. In this book, Minofit Suf, in source number two, that's where Rabbi Blass wrote several, just recently released his third book on More Nebuchim. He cites directly from Aristotle. It's in Hebrew, his trans- a translation of it. If you look at the end of the first line, it says, Habasar atzmo metafech shel kosher hamishush. He says, if you're looking for the medium, the mechanism through which you experience touch, what is it? There is none. It's direct. Touch is, my flesh touches something. And in turn, I am touching it. There's nothing in between. Sound is through sound waves. Sight, taste, everything has something else before you experience it, as opposed to direct touch is influenced by my body in an absolute direct way. The suggestion in turn philosophically, says Aristotle, is that touch and in turn anything related to the experience and pleasure of touch is the most shameful. It's the lowest in terms of our uh, benefits from a pleasure-seeking, physical, materialistic drive in life. That's the vision of Harambam. It's no, it's no doubt then that Harambam's vision with regards, again, to sexual relations, to what can and will take us askew from proper perspective and sight and intellectual endeavors is this touch, are these sorts of involvements, Harambam, therefore, in my mind, at the very beginning of the More, when he introduces us to humanity, in the discussion of Adam and Hava, in the discussion of Etz Hadat, in his discussion of a descent from Emet and Sheker into Tov and Ra, Harambam is very careful and very sensitive to this being, in addition to the other senses, the downfall. The downfall is the drive for good feeling through, and says Harambam, through a realization that as a human being, this is what makes me feel good. His description there is, it was until then that, it was up until then that they didn't pay attention to 
what is perhaps the shameful side of nakedness. Then, as I, you might argue that sight, but it's also directly affiliated and associated with touch, with the sexual encounter, Harambam's vision is man's downfall. Humanity's drive, as we know it, is through these sorts of endeavors. That is what designates, what describes everything we're challenged by in life. It began with again with Adam and Hava, and until today, we're seeking some sort of, using a Kabbalistic word, tikkun. It's no doubt in my mind that the rabbis inject something we don't see in that episode, and that is the relations between Hava and the Nahash. Why relations? If the Nahash, according to Harambam, certainly represents the Yeser Hara, represents that inclination to the physical, it's no doubt that the relations is the description par excellence for human beings being led astray, being distracted from proper contemplation, from objectives that we as human beings should have with regards to coming to perfection of self. And in turn, it is in my mind the milah for Harambam that will be a tikkun of sorts. If you'll just for a moment or two skip four and five, we'll come back to them. In source number six, would you know it, how do the rabbis in Masechet Sanhedrin and beforehand in source number seven in Avotir Binatan envision Adam Harishon? In source number seven, Avotir Binatan, there's a description which the rabbis in the Gemara seem to be working with, and that is that Adam Harishon was born Mahu, born with a Milah. Now that stands to reason. I'll tell you why. Because if the Mila, if the Orla represents, and I don't think this is to be taken literally, I think this is representative. If the Orla represents the drive away from contemplation and focus on the intellectual growth in connecting ourselves to God, well, Adam Harishon, as we're envisioning the story, telling us he was born like that. After or by deciding to eat from the tree, says the Gemara in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daflamet Haytamut Bet in source number six, he was Moshech Be'orlato, which means to say he outstretched his skin to pretend or to bring forth a fake situation of not having a milah. What are they describing? What was he embarrassed about? There's no embarrassment. That's a description of overcoming a state of being in which. I'm focused on truth. I was focused on truth. I took my mind off of that. The decision to eat from Etzadat, the drive to sensual lifestyles, in turn, say the rabbis, the best way to represent that is Moshech Bo'olato. We can physically demonstrate it or suggest it through symbolism in that physical gesture. It means, as Abarbanel writes in the final source or, or in source number eight, it means then, and we'll come back to five in the, uh, four and five in a moment, but it means that if we're to envision this week's parasha, parasha lech lecha, and to put it within the perspective of everything that led up until now, the notion of milah is effectively turning back the clock, seeking and searching for a gan in life, seeking and searching for a life prior to animalistic human drives, and seeking instead a divine human drive. Hine, he writes in Bereshit, Perek Yodzayin, Pasuk Tet, Abar Benel, Lo Adam Arishon He flushes out everything we said. He says, Adam Arishon was not 
commanded in Mila. Lefi Shadam bit told maybe it should say bit hilato, maybe I mistyped that. Haya bilti notel av mefursamot velata avot hagashmiot. It says yeah, human beings at their onset were not driven to uh, tavot. They were not driven to pleasures. There was no necessity that he get a milah. He says maybe that's even what the rabbis mean that he had a milah already. The decision to eat, the the veering off and skewing his mind to saying, I need the pleasurable, sensual touch, involvement with life in that respect. We in turn understand everyone as being an Arel. And because of the shlemut of, of Avraham, tziva bahem umpneze omer, ani shetziva, uh, omer ani, therefore I say, says Abar Benel, shetziva kadosh baruchu et Avraham b'mitzvah tamila k'de letaken et asher i'vet adam harishon. There are the words. It says it explicitly. It says Abar Benel, you want to know what mila is? It's a tikkun for adam harishon. It sounds almost like a Kabbalistic line. It's an Abar Benel. And I think Arambam could have and would have said the same thing. The vision of Berit Mila of Avraham is, and in turn for each of us, is a sign that we take at a young age in order to designate our perspective on life. It's not just a clanship uh, sign. It's a clanship sign which has a depth to it. It's a depth which reminds us of our objectives in life. Interesting that I believe the command to Adam is not to eat from it. When the Nachash confronts Fascinating. Says Sammy for I gotcha. Says Sammy further. I got I know where you're going. Now says Sammy further. He says famously the Pasuk says that Adam is commanded not to eat from the tree. The Nahash says to Hava that you were in command. Excuse me. Hava says to the Nahash, we were commanded not to eat or touch the tree. And she adds touch. And that shameful side of touch, Harambam might in turn say, is what it was all about. It's not only about it eating in order to sustain myself, it's about the touch. What's with the touching? In fact, according to the Hachamim, the Nahash pushes her onto the tree and she touches it. Again, she falls prey to the Hilpa of touch. That would be very much Aristotelian in vision. In other words, to say that the fall began with touch and it was, uh, was revolving around this issue of touch, well, of course it was. And that she may have understood that touch is the, 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 the thing not to do. The underlying issue here is touch, indeed. Of course, representative so much more, but the best way of representing it. Gorgeous. Beautiful. I'll uh, conclude with one or two last points on this. I'll just mention and, and, and note the fact that there is, notably, in the Torah, an individual who um, does not engage in marital relations. And that, of course, is, Avra, is Moshe Rabbeinu. The end of Parashat Beha'alotecha, Miriam and Aharon speak about Moshe. According to Onkelos and Rashi and several other interpretations, what's taking place over there is that they're claiming, why is it that he's with Isha Kushit, interpreted by many as Tzipora, by others as another woman. Regardless, why is it that Moshe is not engaged in sexual relations? That's the interpretation according to Rashi, Onkelos, and others. 
I'm not sure, sure what Harambam. Uh, it, it would stand to reason that he would subscribe. It's an unclus interpretation, but I don't know that he addresses it per se. But for me, that already triggered in my mind. There's an individual who was abstaining, and in truth, Rashi cites from the midrash that the reason he abstained, contrary to the naysaying Miriam and Aharon who claim he did wrong, is because God told him to. When did God hint that or implicitly tell him so? Because after Har Sinai, the Pasuk says, Lechem or Lahem, tell B'nai Israel, Shuv Lachem Laholechem. Go back to your tents and engage in sexual activity. For three days leading up to Har Sinai, you weren't. Now, re- resume your marital relations with spouses. Ve'ata, but you, Moshe, po amodimadi, stay standing here with me. Now, you might look at those Pesukim and, as Miriam and Aharon did, initially be taken aback, really. Alternatively, you might understand Moshe as being that anomaly. Moshe is the individual who connected himself so much so to Da'at Hashem, to stripping away, so to speak, the physical drives, endeavors, and engagements to the extent that, yes, it came as a command from God. It wouldn't per se be him determining that, but God says to him, this at this point in your life, at this point of your achievement, is no longer appropriate. Go ahead. So we do know, yes, there's plenty to be said about this. We do know that Sipporah, the beginning of Parashat Yitro, Yitro comes and he says, Ani hotencha, and I'm coming to you with your wife and your two sons. So where were they? So again, Rashi and the rabbis have it for a different reason, that they weren't per se going to be in the servitude, go down into Egypt. Might alternatively suggest that even from then, in his mode, uh, he was at that point. Again, there's conversation to be had about this. At the very least, they designate it like that. I, in turn, felt that that might be somewhat revealing in source number five. The Gemara in Masechet Sota and Afyod Bet Amud Aleph has the following two statements, one after the other. The first about Yochevet, the mother, of course, of Moshe. It's an interesting construction of the Pasuk. She becomes pregnant and she gives birth. Too quick for the Torah. We want Vatahar, and after the course of time, she gives birth. So the vision in the eyes of the rabbis, juxtaposing pregnant and birth, uh, what does that mean? Oh, we can learn something. We can derive from this that her childbirth and her pregnancy were identical. How so? The same way she became impregnated without pain. So too her birth was without pain. We can derive from this that righteous women are not a part of the verdict, the decree against Hava to have a difficult childbirth. Do you understand what we're already leading on to that Moshe? Leads us back to, you know, as well, to Hava, to Prisin Hava. Is it any, is it any surprise then? Vatere Otokitob says the Gemara, the Pasuk says, Yochevet sees um, her, her son Kitob says, one opinion in the Gemara, Herim Omrim, Nolad Keshu Mahu, Moshe was born with a Milah. Now, again, irrespective of whether that's physically a reality that they're describing, or not, the philosophical, the underlying message over here, I think, is clear. They're seeing in Moshe either the potential or the inborn innate drive to Ruhaniyu, to the Sikhli, to the Emet and Sheker, to not being driven by, again, what's the designation? What is Mila? Mila is designating, is the physical reminder for us 
those drives, those this world human drives curbing those. So Moshe from his birth in turn is the description. Go ahead. No, it's just that phrase itself. Just the idea of linking it back to that level of creation. Indeed, I'll even go a step further. I'll even go a step further. Sasami Vatere Eltoki Kitob leads a Kitob, who is bring us back to Who did it wrong, ironically? You go from God to Hava skewing it wrongly to, in turn, the mother of Moshe seeing it and restoring it. A fascinating description in that respect. Harambam, in turn, in source number four, in More Nevuchim and Chalikim al-Perek Nun Aleph, says this about Moshe Rabbeinu, Mirov Hasakato, from the great achievements in terms of understanding of Moshe. Upanoto machshavato mikol davar zulata eloa yitbarach. And his... His clearing his mind, again, that's the word I use all the time, it's the focus, it's the lack of distractions, from anything but thought of God, fascinating, and from his rejoicing and happiness from what he was able to derive, how is that designated in the Torah? Interestingly, from that pasuk, he didn't eat or drink at Har Sinai. Again, I have it from, and I think Harambam would applaud me for this, from the fact that the oh, but this is leading up to it, that's why, this is leading up to it. Look at where he got, I'm going to say that in turn God says, you're not going back to marital relations. But says Harambam, in leading to the point where Moshe literally got himself, He came to the point where all coarse, dense, drives, we'll call that physical drives in his body were gone. What am I referring to? Says Harambam, the sense of touching that was diminished to the extent that it was almost extinct. I, in the book, uh, Minofetsuf, the way he the way he articulated this is that we, generally speaking, say we're physical beings with a mind or with a soul. Uh, you would say alternatively with Moshe Rabbeinu, he was a soulful or mindful being with a body. Now, sure, there was a body. He was still a human being, but he came to the point where his body was so not the focus, was so just being dragged along by the mind uh, that, that again, in the context of our conversation, he would in turn come to a point of the atapo amodim madi. Go ahead. You have to do the physical you have to have sexual relations. You need physical bodies, but recognize that there's a higher purpose than just the physical. No question. The physical is necessary, but there is an overarching perspective is the uh, foreskin. The description of wicked people of Goyim, or, or maybe not wicked, of, of other nations who are outside of the proper path is Arelim. That's how they're designated. Oh, come on, you're describing them physically? No, you're describing their drives. You're saying... That's who they are. That's what their culture is. 
Achemal Avraham Avinu was not described as complete until he had Berit Milashene Mar Hitalech Lefanai Veyetamim Vetena Beriti Beni Ubenech Vecholam Mefer Berito Shel Avraham Avinu. And therefore, any person who uh, goes against, who doesn't accept, who doesn't embrace the Berit Milah of Avraham Avinu Veheniach Orlato, and in turn they leave their Orla with Adam Milah Om Meshcha, or he pulls it in order to again the physical act, not per se the issue. It's more what it represents, at least in my mind. Even though he has many good deeds, he has no portion in the world to come. That's an amazing, terrible statement. Why not? Why did I lose my portion in the world to come? Unless, now it might be both of the mentions of Harambam. One, you're understanding that you're a part of this nation. But perhaps more fundamentally, the idea being, I can do many actions. I can get lucky with my actions, right place, right time, and even mechanically do them. But if my mind, if my being, if my essence is not one, and that's what Harambam is describing, the Milah represents, in which I'm seeking, I'm searching, I'm living a life of, so to speak, Adam HaRishon, before Chet Etz Hadat, a place and time during which we as human beings could or should be striving for intellectual pursuits, understanding God, striving for the better spiritual endeavors in life. Well, if you're not that, if anything, you're fighting that, you're Moshech or Lato, well, you're repeating Adam HaRishon's fall. You're not living the life of Avraham Avinu. You're failing drastically, even if you're doing the right actions. It's like a remos haserai. It's a, those actions are worthless because they're actions which, if anything, based on who you are, are self-serving for some reason or another. And in turn, I suggest uh, just uh, just feebly that uh, Abar Benel's words really incorporate and encapsulate what Harambam, uh, I think, was setting forth for us. If you read the Moreh carefully, you'll notice this is an underwritten message throughout Torah and Mitzvot, life as a human being, and certainly as a member of the Am Yisrael, is purpose to bring me to a state of mind which is not distracted by Ta'avot Olam Hazeh. He in turn puts at the top of his pedestal the achievement of Nivuah, which of course for Harambam means my mind is freed up and in turn focused to the extent that all those physical things don't bring me down. I can focus on truth. He cites famously from the Ma'amar Chachamim. I guess I'm a little off track, but it's the same point. How do you achieve Nivuah? So you'd say, be very religious, be very connected to God. Make certain that you're rich. I don't have those drives to look at others. Make sure you're strong. The description of Harambam is... To be a prophet means that you've rid yourself of any of those involvements in this world. You've brought yourself, so to speak, to the epitome of what Berit Milah is and should be to that Shelemut of Avraham Avinu with the achievement of that mitzvah of Berit Milah. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.